0: Father in heaven, thank you so much for your watch care over us this past week. Thank you, Lord, that you've brought us to another Sabbath. Thank you, Lord, that we can come and fellowship together. Thank you, Father, for how you have been with us. And now, Lord, once more we're asking that you would be with us again to lead us, to guide us, to teach us that we might understand the words that we're about to read. And please, Lord, grace us with thy presence, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We have been studying the series on faith, and as you see in the title before you clicked on the link, we are looking at the faith of Jacob this evening. Hebrews chapter 11, we're starting and reading only verse 21. Hebrews 11, verse 21. The Bible says this. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped leaning upon the top of his staff. Now, we're not exactly sure what it means by leaning on the top of his staff um, while he was worshipping. But what we are looking at here this evening is how Jacob had faith by blessing the sons of Joseph. Now, look, by this time jacob is an old man his eyes have grown dim he can't see very well anymore just like what has happened to his father isaac when he blessed esau and jacob remember that and joseph is now called to the side of jacob and he knows Joseph knows that he's soon to pass away, and he brings his two sons. Let's turn our Bibles to Genesis chapter 48. This is a chapter that we're most interested in this evening for our study. Genesis 48, we're going to start in verse 3. Genesis chapter 48 and verse 3. The Bible says this, And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz, or Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee, and I will make of thee a multitude of people, and will give this land to thy seed after thee for an, uh, an everlasting possession. He blesses Joseph and his sons. And in a a sense, he, he gives this prophecy to point forward to a time when the children of Israel would inherit the land of Canaan. Now look, at this time, where is Jacob? He's not in Canaan. Because of the famine, they went down to Egypt and it just so happened that his son was the prime minister there. And so when when Jacob utters this in Genesis 48, he's at the end of his life. They're still in Egypt, but yet he reminds him, I'm going to multiply you, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to give you this land, not the land of Egypt, but the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. He saw beyond the comfortable life that he had in Egypt and where they'd already settled that God would still fulfill his promise, even though in Jacob's eyes, he didn't understand why. He would not live to see the fulfillment of the prophecy and the promise that was given to him that was passed down from Abraham to Isaac and now to him. And now he's about to pass it on, and with the eye of faith, he looks beyond the time that they're currently in, and he gives this promise to Joseph, the one that who had been there for so long, but yet it was a reminder, Joseph, don't settle here, Egypt is not your final home. Friends, look, we like creature comforts that this life affords and um uh, we got to be reminded that no matter how comfortable you are, you got to remember that this world is not your home. You're just a passing through. And no matter where you live, no matter how big or small your house, we all like to be comfortable. But we must remember like Jacob that we're just temporary in this world and that we must live in such a way to remember that, friends. This is what Hebrews 11 is talking about when it talks about how Jacob, he had faith by blessing the sons of Joseph because he saw beyond his present circumstances to remind him and remind the children, especially as he's passing the blessing on, that remember, the land that God promised, you're gonna inherit one day, even though I don't see how it's gonna happen. So let's look at it. Let's look at this blessing that was given to Jacob. Genesis 28. Genesis 28. This chapter, this is when Jacob is running from his brother Esau. And he lays down on the floor and uses a stone as a pillow and he has a dream. Let's look at Genesis 28 and verse 12. Look at this. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest. To thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Where was this place? Look at verse 19, and he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city was called Luz at the first. This was when God first appeared to him. This was what Jacob was referring to when he was speaking to Joseph when God appeared to him at Luz, right, and gave him this promise. He is passing it on now to who? to Joseph. Where did he get it from? Where did Jacob get this promise from? It was from his father Isaac. Let's go to Genesis 26. Genesis 26, and starting in verse 1, I just want to show you the progression of how this promise has come from Abraham down to Isaac, then to Jacob, and now he's passing it on to Joseph. Genesis 26, verse 1. And there was a famine in the land, beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of, sojourn in the land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee, for unto thee and to thy seed I will give all these countries... And I will perform the oath, which I swear unto Abraham thy father. It's the same promise that Jacob has, that he received, and that he passed to Joseph. It was from Isaac. Let's go to Genesis chapter 17. Where did Isaac get it from? Genesis 17 and verse 7. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in the generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So Jacob is reminded he does not forget what we call the Abrahamic covenant. The covenant that was given to Abraham and that was passed on to Isaac, that was given to him, and that now he is passing it on to Joseph and his children and his seed to remember that Egypt is just a little time that you're here right now. It is not your final home. God still has a promise and a covenant that he must fulfill it. And it was only by the eye of faith that Jacob saw this. Why? It was only a small number of people. The book of Acts, I think it records 75 people only went into Egypt. There wasn't many. You will understand that maybe hundreds of years later, they came out, there was a million strong. But it only started with 75 people. Abraham had no idea, pardon me, Jacob had no idea how this promise would be fulfilled. It was only by the eye of faith and that we understand it as he's blessing his sons that Jacob has faith in God's word, even though he doesn't know how it's going to be fulfilled, even though they're not coming close to its fulfillment, even though now he's moving away from the land of Canaan down to Egypt. Yet he reminds Joseph, do not forget. By faith, Jacob, he blessed the sons of Joseph. And really, friends, that is the essence of what Hebrews 11:21 is talking about this evening. But I'm not going to have a just a 10-minute study here with you this evening. There are important lessons that we can learn from Genesis chapter 48. So we are not done yet. I want to go through this study with you and I want to show you this other interesting elements that we see about Jacob blessing the sons of Joseph and how it relates to our life today. So, did he have faith absolutely? We knew from the fact of how he just blessed the children of Joseph. But now, look, Jason, J- Jacob, pardon me, Jacob is about to pass down The blessing of the birthright to Joseph. Do you know that? So when you look at this Abrahamic covenant, the covenant that was given from Abraham to Isaac and then to Jacob. Remember Isaac was the somewhat only child. There was Ishmael who was sent away and then Esau was meant to inherit the birthright. We looked at this last week and then Jacob stole the birthright. You remember that? So jacobs he's about to pass the blessing of the birthright down to joseph do you know who the birthright is meant for turn with me in your bibles to first pardon me deuteronomy 21. who is a birthright meant for and i think you know the answer to this but i just want to show you a bible text deuteronomy 21 verse 15 okay deuteronomy 21 verse 15. Look at this understanding of what the birthright or who inherits the birthright. Deuteronomy 21.15 If a man have two wives, one beloved and another hated, and they have borne him children, both the beloved and the hated, and if the firstborn son be hers that was hated, then it shall be. When he maketh his sons to inherit that which he hath, that he may not make the son of the beloved firstborn before the son of the hated, which is indeed the firstborn. But he shall acknowledge the son of the hated for the firstborn by by giving him a double portion of all that he hath. For he is the beginning of his strength. The right of the firstborn is his. Who receives the right of the firstborn? I mean the birthright, it is the firstborn, even if you hate this wife. Sounds familiar? It's because Jacob did not love his first wife as much as his second. It was who? Leah versus Rachel. So the birthright always would go to the firstborn. You see that? And who is the firstborn of Jacob? It's Reuben. Okay. Reuben. But why not Reuben? Why did Reuben not inherit the birthright? Well, let's turn our Bibles to Genesis 35, verse 22. Genesis 35, verse 22. And it came to pass when Israel dwelt in that land that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, the father's concubine, and Israel heard about it. Okay, so the reason why Reuben did not get the birthright is because he slept with the father's wife. Look at Genesis 49. He makes it very clear. Genesis 49, verse 4, he goes through every single one of his sons as he's about to pass away, and he tells Reuben this. Genesis 49, verse 4, Unstable as water thou shalt not excel, because thou went up to thy father's bed, then defilest thou it. He went up to my couch. So, Reuben didn't inherit the uh, the firstborn right, which was the birthright. It should have gone to the second. And not the second and the third and the fourth, you know what I mean? But who was the second? Does anybody know? Who was the second born of Jacob? Anybody know? It was Simeon. Why did Simeon not inherit the birthright after Reuben? Let's go over to Genesis 34, And verse 25. Genesis 34 and verse 25. And it came to pass on the third day when they were sore that two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brother, brother, took each man his sword and came upon the city boldly and slew all the males. You know what Simeon did along with Levi? Simeon, he was guilty of mass murder of the Shechemites who had slept with the daughter, but then in his sincerity went and asked for the hand of the daughter from the father. So they got them all to be circumcised, and while they were all in pain and could not fight back, Simeon and Levi went in and killed the whole town. And so because of that, Simeon, he also would not inherit the birthright. Okay, so Reuben didn't, Simeon didn't. So how is Jacob able to pass on the birthright to Joseph and his two sons. Do you know the name of the two sons? It was Ephraim and Manasseh. How is he able to pass on this birthright? Let's go back to Genesis 48. This chapter really is the backbone of our study this evening. Genesis 48 and verse five. Look at what the Bible says, Genesis 48 and verse five. And now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt before I came unto thee into Egypt, are mine, as Reuben and Simeon. As who? Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. So what does Jacob do? Basically, he adopts Ephraim and Manasseh. He's like, Ephraim and Manasseh, I know your children, they're my grandchildren, but now I am considering them as my children. He gives a double portion of blessing to Joseph. In what way? By including the two sons into the 12 tribes. At that time, there'll be 13, but we know that Levi would eventually inherit the the priesthood line, okay? But look, Ephraim and Manasseh, his grandsons, are now adopted into his family and he considers them their sons. They will have inheritance among my 12 children. That's what he's saying. So he gives the double blessing to Joseph. All right. Now look, it's very clear that Joseph receives a birthright. How do we know? First Chronicles, let's go there. 1st Chronicles chapter 5 verses 1 and 2. Let's read that. 1st Chronicles chapter 5 verses 1 and 2. Now the sons of Reuben the firstborn of Israel for he was the firstborn but for as much as he defiled his father's bed his birthright was given unto the sons of Joseph the son of Israel. And the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright for Judah prevailed above his brethren And of him came the chief ruler, but the birthright was Joseph's. For those that don't know, I think I shared a a devotion probably a few months ago on this text. But it would be through who? It wouldn't be through Reuben or even Joseph. It would be through Judah that the eventual Messiah would come, even though the blessing of the birthright would be given to Joseph. Very interesting, isn't it? Joseph now receives the inheritance of the firstborn, even though he's like the 11th, all right, or the 12th, I should say, because they had a sister. But it sounds like Jacob is playing favorites again, which was what got this whole family into trouble at the very beginning, right? He is putting the double portion of that blessing on Joseph. And it sounds like it, by the way, he talks. Let's go back to Genesis 48. Let's go there. Genesis 48, and we're now looking at verse 7. Genesis 48, verse 7. And as for me, when I came from Padan, Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan in the way, when yet there was but a little way to come unto Ephrath. And I buried her there in the way of Ephrath. The same is Bethlehem. So as he's talking with Joseph, he he talks about the mother. And almost as if this is the reason why I am choosing you to be now the one that will inherit the birthright. It was the favorite wife of Jacob. Look, Rachel was his bride by choice. Leah was his wife by chance, deceived by his father-in-law Laban. And Bilhar and Zilpah, I don't know if you know them, but there was the other two wives in a sense, and the Bible calls them the concubines, was his brides by competition. Meaning what? Um, because Leah and Rachel were fighting for the attention and the affection of the husband, they eventually, well, it started with Rachel because she couldn't have kids. And she said, Jacob, go into my maid so that I can have children. So that's how the 12 sons of um, jo- Jacob came about. So look, What do we see here though? Jacob has finally realized, after all these years, that God is not bound by human tradition. He was not playing favorites. He was doing what God had instructed him to do. Why and how do we know? It's not that he just chose Joseph, because we know that he's not just following this human tradition, and he's skipping it, but also what he does with the sons of Joseph. Look at what Jacob does in Genesis 48. It's very interesting, okay? Genesis 48, and if he was just playing favorites, he would have listened to Joseph, but he doesn't. Look at this, Genesis 48, verse 13. Genesis 48, verse 13, the Bible says this. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand, towards Israel's left, okay? So he's facing Israel, Jacob, his father, and he takes Ephraim in his right and he pushes him forward on this side, which is Israel's left, and Manasseh in his left hand towards Israel's right hand and brought them near unto him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. Verse 17, When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. And he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head. And Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. So Manasseh was the oldest of the two. Manasseh first and then Ephraim. Causing to forget is his name, and fruitful is the name of the meaning of Ephraim. And so Joseph, he wasn't happy. Thought the father had made a mistake. Father, father, please, pull the peace. You got you gotta move your hands. But remember, Jacob was not acting on just his own thoughts. He was acting upon the intimation of God, upon his prompting. And he would put his right hand, which signified where the birthright would go onto the head of Ephraim, the younger one. Genesis 48, verse 19. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. And he blessed them that day, saying, in thee shall Israel bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim and Manasseh. And he set Ephraim before Manasseh. So look, friends, Genesis especially is full of accounts where the younger is chosen over the older. Here Ephraim, the younger, inherited the birthright of the whole tribe of Israel. Okay? Okay. He was the one that would inherit the birthright, the spiritual blessings in a sense. And it's very interesting. When you look at this this progression in Genesis, we have so many counts of the younger always being chosen over the older. Starting with Seth. After Abel was killed by the brother Cain, of course, Seth would come in and he would be the chosen one over Cain. Shem, he was the younger of the brothers, of the sons of Noah. He would be chosen over Japheth. Isaac he was much younger than Ishmael but yet he would be the one that would be chosen over Ishmael. And then of course we have Jacob and Esau Jacob being the younger, Esau being the older even though they were twins in a sense Esau was the older. And then finally we have this example here in Genesis 48 where Ephraim is chosen as a younger over Manasseh. But you know what's interesting? It's when Jacob chooses the younger over the older, God does not approve. And I'm not talking about Ephraim and Manasseh here. It's when he chose himself a wife. He chose who? Rachel. Do you remember that? She was the younger one. And the reason why Laban, the father-in-law, deceived Jacob and married off Leah first was because she was the older one. And it's like, no, 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 no. I guess it was in God's providence that Leah was chosen and not Rachel first. Why? Because it would be through Leah that she would give birth to the son that would, through him, come the Messiah. It was Judah. And it would also be through her, she would give birth to a son, Levi, who would inherit the head of the priestly line. It was through Leah, not Rachel, that the world was blessed. It was Leah that was buried in the cave of Machpelah with Abraham and his wife and Isaac and his wife. And where Jacob eventually would be buried, Rachel was not there. So interesting, isn't it? Younger chosen over the older. And then finally, when when Jacob chooses younger over the older, it doesn't go his way either. You know what the Bible is trying to teach you, friends? God's ways are not man's ways. Joseph was telling the father, Jacob, please, Ephraim is wrong. He's a younger one. Dad, put it on Manasseh. But the father knew God's ways is not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. The Bible says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are His ways higher than our ways. And Jacob, he finally understands God's election, whom God chooses. It's not based on outward qualities, if, as if Jacob could do more for God than his brother Esau could do, or vice versa. No, friends. God simply chooses because He is God, and He must choose someone to represent Him. Do you see that? But even though the choice is made, I want you to understand this. Even though the choice is made, even though Joseph would receive the birthright, okay? Yet, even though the blessing granted to him, it doesn't mean that that's, they are blessed and that's it and there's nothing they have to do. Look at the example Reuben is firstborn, okay? But the birthright goes to Joseph. Yet, it is through Jacob, not Jacob, Judah, that the Messiah would come. The birthright really was the spiritual blessing through which eventually the whole world would be blessed by the Messiah. But it wasn't through Joseph. Isn't that interesting? Man's ways are not God's ways, and God's ways are not man's ways. So even though Jacob blessed Joseph, It didn't mean that everything would be set in stone. And I told you this last week. Jacob, he received the birthright over his brother Esau. Did he get the inheritance of the land, it seems? Not really. Didn't get a single cent from the father. And the first 20 years of his life while he was with Laban, all he could think about was, oh God, I'm being cursed, not blessed, even though I stole the birthright. But why? It's because in the manner in which he lived his life to obtain the birthright. And so it would be with Ephraim and Manasseh. If you're getting confused over all the names, I suggest you listen to this sermon twice, okay? Write down all the names, and you make sure you go through and understand this picture because it's really important. Even in the case of Ephraim and Manasseh, Joseph's sons, Joseph was upset. He was displeased because the father blessed the younger over the older. Ephraim over Manasseh. And did that really take place though? Was Ephraim really blessed more than Manasseh? It would seem that way at the very beginning. Let me show you this. Numbers chapter 2. Numbers chapter 2 and verse 18. Numbers chapter 2 verse 18. This is talking about the tribes after they come out from Egypt and they're encamped around the, the sanctuary. Look at this, verse 18. On the west side shall be the standard of the camp of Ephraim, according to their armies. And the captain of the sons of Ephraim shall be Elshama the son of Amihud. And then in verse 20. And by him shall be the pride tribe of Manasseh and the captain of the children of Manasseh shall be Gamaliel, the son of Pedazur. So, Ephraim is mentioned in that section on the west side, and next to him would be his brother. And then look at verse 24, okay? Numbers 2 24. All that were numbered of the camp of Ephraim were a hundred thousand and eight thousand and hundred throughout their armies, and they shall go forward in the third rank. Do you know the camp of Ephraim contained the Ephraimites, Manasseh, and also Benjamin, and their armies? The army, the the camp, it was the three of them added together that made over a hundred thousand. You go back and add the numbers up. There are numbers. You'll see that that's what it means. So that that group, Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin were one group, but they were called the camp of Ephraim. So was Ephraim seemingly blessed just because he received the birthright? It might seem that way. But then you come to Revelation chapter 7. Let's turn our Bibles there. Revelation chapter 7, when the 12 tribes are mentioned at the very end, spiritual Israel. Look at it. Revelation 7 verses 5 through 8. These are the names of the 12 spiritual tribes of Israel. Judah, in verse 5, and Reuben, and Gad, Asa, Naphtalim, Manassas, Simeon, Levi, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. Guess who's missing, friends? It is Ephraim. Ephraim is missing. Manasseh is there. Why? Why is Ephraim missing from the 12 spiritual tribes? Even though it seemed like he was greater in the book of Numbers, right at the beginning. Let's go to Hosea. Hosea chapter 4, verse 17. Hosea 4, verse 17. What happened to Ephraim? The Bible says Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. What you see from Genesis 48 the passing down of the birthright. We've seen now there in Genesis 48 that Jacob is passing it on to Joseph, and from there he's passing it really directly to his sons who are alive, and they're about 20 years old at that time. And he elevates Ephraim above Manasseh, even though he's a younger, but yet at the very end, guess what? Ephraim is missing. Friends, just because God blesses it doesn't mean that you're blessed forever. Only as Ephraim remained obedient to God could the blessing of the covenant fall upon him and remain with him. And we know it didn't because it wasn't through Ephraim that the Messiah came. It wasn't through the tribe of Joseph that the Messiah came. It was through Judah. It wasn't through Manasseh or Ephraim, neither of them, it was through Judah. the, the, The priesthood did not come through them either. It was through from the tribe of Levi. Friends, just because you received the birthright, maybe you've had some certain advantages in this life, you think. As the oldest or maybe the most benefits that you're getting from your parents, it doesn't mean that you'll be the most successful. It doesn't just because you're blessed at that point in time, there are conditions to continued acceptance of the blessings from God. As we saw with Abraham, as we saw with Isaac, and as we see with Jacob now, and then if he had not repented as he wrestled with the angel, the angel would have killed him. There would have been no blessing for him if he had not repented of his sin from the past. And so even as Ephraim received the blessing of the birthright, we see that the blessing really did not stay with him. It did not rest upon him. He ran after idols. And so God had to take the blessing from him and he had to put it on somebody else. Friends, just because the pastor prays for you, it doesn't mean that you're blessed you still got to go back and live a faithful life to God. You must align your life with God's will in order for that blessing to come. You can get a hundred people to pray for you, but it doesn't mean that the blessing will come. And really, on the opposite end as well, you might be blessed and people will try to curse you, and it doesn't matter because God is with you. But friends, we see here very clearly life's advantages or seeming advantages, it doesn't matter a single thing unless God is right there with you. And I want to give just an application for us, for those that might be listening that are from the Seventh-day Adventist Church. You know, I believe with all my heart that the Seventh-day Adventist Church was born out of the pages of prophecy. If you study it properly, Revelation chapter 10, Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 14, you will see the characteristics that are, m- that are mentioned there, it is referring to only one church that keeps the comments of God and has a testimony of Jesus. There's only one church that fits that mold. I believe it's a Seventh-day Adventist church. But just because you are a Seventh-day Adventist, it doesn't mean that you are saved. Are you with me? You've got to be faithful to God. You've got to allow God to work in and through you for His good pleasure. Only as we surrender to God on a moment-by-moment, day-by-day basis, only as we learn to live by faith can we remain true to God and the call that He has placed upon this church for a certain reason, just like He did upon the nation of Israel for these last days so friends, my challenge to you today is not so much simply, are you part of the Seventh-day Adventist church? I hope that you will. But are you being faithful to what God has called you to? Are you being faithful to the light that He's shone upon your pathway? Are you resisting it? Or maybe you understand it, you're convinced by it, you're convicted by it, But you're not living the life of faith. You're not fulfilling the condition upon which God can grant you power to live a holy life. Friends, just because you're in the Seventh-day Adventist church, it does not mean that you're safe from the end-time problems that will come upon this earth. Today, we got to understand what it means to live by every word of God. Ephraim was blessed at the beginning. And it seemed like God blessed that tribe above Manasseh. But then he joined himself to idols and the blessing of God, especially the birthright, could not remain upon him. And we find at the very end in Revelation, he's left out. Friends, it's not enough just to be recorded, have your name recorded in the church books. You've got to have your name recorded in the book of life, in the ledger of heaven today. The only way to get there Is by the faith of the Son of God who loves you and He gave His life for you. And today He's just asking you to trust Him, to take His Word, to allow Him to write it in your hearts and your minds, and to live by faith each and every day. How? Where? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. And there are some Seventh-day Adventists that need to hear more of the Word of God. What do I mean by that? You might have been baptized. You might even be a deacon or a deaconess in your church, but you're not born again. And you've got to go to your pastor, you've got to go to your elder, you've got to go to the leaders in the church, you've got to find a Bible worker and say, I need Bible studies. I need to strengthen my faith because I know that through my fruits I'm not living the life that God wants me to live. Even though the blessing has come upon this church and there are people in the church that are doing great things for God, it's not enough just to sit on the side to see a show and the gospel move forward. Friends, you've got to move along with this movement. Otherwise, you'll be left behind at the end of time. So may God help us to live by faith today, by every word. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord, help us to see, open our eyes that we might understand where we stand in our relationship with you today. Help us not to just rely on the fact that we've been brought up in a Seventh-day Adventist home, that we've been st- attending a Seventh-day Adventist church. Help us not to think that these qualities will get us even one centimeter, and one millimeter closer to heaven. But Lord, only as by faith that's exercised in the blood of our Savior Jesus Christ can we be justified and brought into right relationship with you today. Lord, please, be with each and every one of us. Help us to have a proper assessment of our life. And then, Lord, where we fall short, may you forgive us, but strengthen us that we might be more than overcomers through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That truly, you can bless us so that we can be a blessing to the whole world. Lord, fulfill that promise in us, each and every one of us today, is my earnest plea and prayer. For you pray in Jesus' name, amen.